Lee Whitehorn, 44 years of age, father of two, married to Laura, siblings, Luke, Jay, Rachel and Jane. Uh, one father, two mums. That's me in a nutshell, footy coach. I look at myself as just the average, everyday run-of-the-mill bloke. Why am I here today? Um, to talk about my diagnosis um, that I received, oh, not great with dates, but I'm gonna say about six weeks ago. Um, and I was diagnosed uh, initially with a lesion, which I think is a nice word initially for a tumour or cancer. And I was diagnosed with a diffused glioblastema. Welcome to episode three of The C Word. I'm Luke. I'm here with my brother, Lee. How you doing? Very good. Thank you very much. <laughs> That's good. We got into our third episode. I mean, this is the, we're in uncharted waters at this point from our original idea concept. We've heard, we've heard your story so far. We've, we've gone through the last two episodes, which I think were, were, were quite a journey and I think brings everyone up to scratch with, uh, with where we are today. But episode three and week one of treatment. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, week one of treatment started on a Thursday, so at the back end of the week, um, which was quite good. Um, gave me two days to sort of warm into uh, warm into it. As we said, um, cancer gets the weekend off when it comes to treatment, <laughs> um, which is fantastic. I have to admit, after playing playing the big brave uh, game, I I had a, a fleeting moment, and when I say fleeting, it was, it was very fleeting. Of right, this is actually happening today, um, and I've I've talked a big game thus far. Mm, mate, your talk really is strong. Your talk is strong. Um, and got to the point of am I am I going to back this up? Um, and I probably, I reckon, for maybe the first 30 seconds of when I walked in to get my treatment, I was concerned that, am I going to get anxious when I have to lay down and put this mask on? Um, I know I know what's coming. I know what I need to do. It's going to be for a few minutes. That's it. It's simple. Funnily enough, as I laid down, and I don't know if this is the world talking or whatever it may be, but as I laid down, I have music playing in the background. And Dolly Parton was playing, and um, my mum, my stepmum, who passed from cancer last year, Dolly Parton was like one of her all-time favourites, all-time. And I just had to have a giggle, and I remember thinking at the time, the ladies watching me at the moment are probably thinking, are we dealing with a psychopath? Because he's got a hard plastic mask on, just about to... Uh, undergo radiotherapy and somehow he's managing to have a giggle under this mask which is really hard to do <laughs> okay so hang on a second let's step back a minute because we've dived straight into some good story here but i give us the rundown like how what's the lead up what are you doing what is this room what's the thing on your head what is it like the process uh it's pretty quick um the whole treatment is around 15 minutes and when i say treatment from uh, the second they call you, uh, call your name, um, to going in a meeting with uh, the two ladies that run the uh, the treatment room, to going in, to getting into your position, um, which is very specific to you. So there's a mould that sits on the bed, under your head. 
So you're laying on a bed, what? So like, lay, what's in the room? Oh, in the room. Yeah. Um, For anyone listening really... who doesn't know what happens, right? Oh, so look, there's is... not really much in the room. It's probably like going into um, uh, any sort of hospital room, really. It's pretty bland. There's not, not much. Um, you've got the, the machine there, and I'd look, don't ask me the name of the machine, but it's basically <laughs> a huge donut in a the bed. They lay you down put your head onto your own little pillow that they have molded and manufactured so it keeps your head at a certain angle. You have to lay in exactly the same position each time. Um, For me, I chose to keep my hands, um, because I didn't know how long this would take, uh, under my bum cheeks because I was worried that I'll get a sore back and I know that um, and if my hands are there, I won't move as much. It'll keep me locked into it into a single space so um go in lay down do that and then the ladies come out with your mask now uh, i've sent the image around to family members and i was hesitant at first because i thought this is going to absolutely freak people out so anybody that's a, a fan of horror films um that's seen halloween and jason this is it's pretty much what it looks like um it's this a uh, big white, you know, Hannibal Lecter. It looks kind of like his mask, and um, yeah, it's pretty aggressive, to be fair. I, I mean, I have to say, I've seen the photo. It's it's fairly, it's, and it's quite cool. hard, right? It's solid. Yeah, it's like a, you're locked in, like yeah, your head's yeah, kind of in jail. <laughs> it's a it's a piece of plastic that they put in uh, hot water, uh, and then they mold around your face, and then as soon as it's molded, they run um, ice bags over it to set it. So. I couldn't take a big mouth breath because you don't have the range of movement in your throat and so forth to take a big mouth. So the one thing that you need to do to start, I guess, and and the nurses spoke to me about this is that you know, are you calm? Are you okay? Is it? Do you need anything um, like sedatives or so mm, forth mm. to help you? Which kind of I was like, no, not really. I'm not what I'm here for so. Just, just get me on the bed. So people get sedatives to put that. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. To the best of my knowledge, You're people your head have. Away, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, when the mask goes on, so this mask goes on, and then they click it into, they lock it in. Slot these things literally lock you in either side and at the back of your head, um, and then you can't move, right. and then they disappear from the room because obviously they can't be in there with mm. what's being emitted. They disappear from the room and they watch you from um, from their room and they make sure they you go in and they line up and they make sure that everything, um, in terms of all their markers, are bang on to, to the millimetre. Mm. And they're satisfied with that. They then hit go and then it's three minutes of treatment. And that's when that, so effectively it's, it's going in and, and, and basically attacking the, the tumour. Correct. And what does it feel like? Nothing. Nothing. You're yeah, just... You other than the mask going on, it's I find it quite a calm process. Um, it's a quiet room. It's quite comfortable mm. to a degree. Mm. Uh, they offer you a blanket. They ask you what sort of music you want. Um, Dolly Parton, obviously. Yeah, which... Um, <laughs> did that really come on by chance? Or uh, <laughs> I, I laughed. And I, I, do you know what? It kind of gave me some reassurance that... Uh, like I'll, I'll speak to my mum, my stepmum. Your stepmom who's passed. Your stepmom who's passed away. You, yeah. I'll, I'll speak to her in some way most most days. Mm. So um, not long after she passed, Max looked up one night and said, um, "Little Nana's on the moon." And so most nights, if there's a moon out and I'm having a cup of tea, I will sit there and have a look at it, and mm. I might not 
say something out loud, but I'll have a conversation with mum. And so when that came on, I thought, probably ease the burden of the first of all the anxiety around it. When I say all the anxiety, it was probably like a one out of ten mm. of anxiety, but it just made it comfortable um, as soon as I heard that because I thought, yep, I'm, I'm in a good place here and I've got someone good here with me. Um, and then there's the ladies that, that run the, the treatment centre that are, um, you know, you talk about your first responders being significant individuals and the people that do this. Um, every single person that's coming in to have that treatment uh, is not, not in a great space. They're not there to get their broken leg fixed. Mm. Um, they're there for really serious matters. So, And they deal with it every day and, and, and they deal with it with a smile and a really positive energy. Mm. Um, and they've been, yeah, brilliant. In terms of the noise of the machine, uh, God, it sounds like an old school Gatling gun, like it just is bang, 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 bang. It just stops and then you hear it spin round the big donut and then you hear it again. Bang, 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 bang. And there's a blue light and I know the blue light is there because for a second I opened my eyes. Outside of that part of me keeping in a calm space while I'm there and trying to, it sounds weird, but trying to enjoy where I can enjoy it. Well, we have it's, called it your three minutes of meditation, right? It kind of is. It's your, it's well, your it daily is. three minute meditation. Yeah, that you can, it, you it is. It's that time where you lay there and you actually, uh, you are reflecting on what have I done today? Have I spoken well to my kids? Have I spoken well to everybody else? Have I actually done anything today? Have I been productive? Mm. Um, how do I feel about um, my treatment today? Um, and for me, luckily, thus far, three treatments down, um, I feel no different. Um, I feel good. I haven't had any nausea um, apart from the 17 tablets that you yeah, swallow right. a day. Um, yeah. You know, that's the biggest hindrance. Getting your, t- your head around the time. Okay, I can have this and then 60 minutes later it's this and then it's this. Because um, outside of the radiotherapy, you're also doing chemotherapy doing Correct. that with tablets yes. you were saying right mum's analogy was look at them as vitamins and and my analogy was um they're not vitamin pills for me every day when i take them i'm telling them to go in there and tell this thing to f off <laughs> so they're my f off pills yeah. every day when i take them so um, perfect so outside of your daily your three minute daily meditation that we have and your three minute times of reflecting on, on the day that was mm-hmm. you also have your f off pills so yeah. talk through them they're quite they're like, we knew, we know that was serious, but I think, you know, we had a conversation on that first day where you were kind of like, oh, I didn't realize kind of how serious it was, right? Like the, you know, the warning label almost. Yeah, it's kind of, you, you visit a number of different doctors and specialists and so forth, and it's really hard keeping track of who you've spoken to, what their role is, the information they're giving you, and everybody's different. And I guess it's the same across all industries. Uh, you're going to get people in sales that are just, I'm here to sell you this, do you want to buy it? And they're really bland and boring. And then there's others that are they're really engaging and passionate and want to give you the, this is the best outcome that you're going to get from whatever we're um, talking about on that particular day. And it's no different with doctors and uh, and nurses, but at some point you're going to get an individual that sits you down and just gives you nothing but the absolute blunt worst case scenario. Uh, 
and we sat down with the lady in pharmacy. Really lovely. Like she was really, really nice. But she sat down and she said, right, we're going to run through this. And I'm like, okay, let's go. So we started and we went through, you know, this pill, this pill, this pill. Okay. She said, now we're going to talk about the chemotherapy pills. And I said, okay. And she said, do you have a, two bathrooms at home? I said, no, we just got the one. She goes, oh, okay, that's going to be an issue. And I'm, I'm getting in my head, I'm thinking, I'm, well, why? Why do I have to take them sitting on the toilet <laughs> or something? She went on to explain about the tablets and said, uh, and she, I expected her to lead with something like, this isn't intended to scare you. But I think maybe a little bit of it is because there has to be a level of fear that's instilled in you with that, I guess, uh, leads you to that point of, of understanding the gravity of what's occurring uh, within your body. And she said, these tablets are highly toxic, highly toxic to the point where when you go to the toilet, you have to flush it twice and you also need to clean the rim. Yeah, wow. I said, okay, every time. And she said, every single time. Uh, bodily fluids. So you can no longer, as of now, until seven days post-chemo, can you kiss your wife or your kids uh, on the lips because saliva may connect and that's where the toxins are released, etc. So for me, right at that point, out of everything, every piece of news that's been delivered to me thus far, you've got a stage for this, it could be this, it's all this. For me, that was like the probably the most heartbreaking point at that point. That So you're telling me that I, for the next six weeks, which doesn't sound like a long time, but when you kiss your children a hundred times a day, mm. and I'm probably terrible for that, but I would kiss Max a million times. You want to go where? The stick house. A little sticky. And guess who's at home waiting for us? Yeah. It's the same with Jack, and my little boy Jack has just started to learn to kiss on the lips, but um, as parents out there will understand, uh, a 15-month-old, a kiss on the lips, he doesn't yet know how to make his lips closed and perky <laughs> it is a full open mouth um i'm passing on to you whatever i've just eaten kiss yeah. um and then there's my my wife who and again parents out there will she under- the same as understand this no we're past that okay yeah, no we don't french kiss you open mouth kiss you, it's like um you get to a point in your life where you understand that who invented this type of kissing kiss? i know it's not really right my wife and I get very limited time when you've got two young children to spend intimately with your partner. Uh, and it's a really fine balance because you have to get to a point of understanding that whilst you may not be intimate as often as you would like to be, there's reasons for that most of the time because it's it's, it's really hard. It's hard. You've got to make the effort. So you went um, through a re-sex education? Kind of. Yeah, you kind of do. It's yeah. you know, not like when you're when you don't have kids and you can just go, oh, we've got 15 minutes before dinner. Let's, <laughs> let's knock one out. Anyway. All right, Romeo, calm Fantastic. down. <laughs> um, and for my wife and I, the one thing that we do, and we try to set an example, particularly to our children, and it, well, it's not just to set an example, but regardless of where we're at each day, whether we're, there might be some tension or anger or whatever it may be, um, 
my wife or myself will never leave the house without um, saying the words, I love you, and we'll never leave the house without kissing each other. For me, it's really, really important, and for Laura, it's really, really important as well. One, because uh, we need to share that emotion with each other daily to just reassure each other that, okay, whatever we're going through at the moment, doesn't matter what it is, that when you leave the house today, know that you're my number one and I love you. And then it's a kiss and it's always a kiss and it's they're my key moments of each day. And that's irrelevant whether you're sick. That's just standard practice for you. That's Absolutely. your that's your advice to people, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So getting told you can't kiss your wife in that manner yeah. is like, oh yeah, hang on, this is the one this is the one thing every day that I love more than anything. Hugging my wife, kissing her, having that connection and letting her know that I love you, you're my number one, that's it. And then with my boys, it's exactly the same. I want them to see that as often as they possibly can because if I'm teaching them anything, mm. it's uh, to – you can be strong and you can be tough and you can be big and you can be all of these things and you're stereotypical Aussie male, but – it doesn't mean you can't be full of love and share that with the people that you should every day, regardless of what it looks like. And You had the last kiss with Laura before you took your F-off pills. Did you get that in? No. Oh. So he, and here's the, the worst part about all of that. So I had my pills there, and you've got to be really careful with these pills. They're in sealed bags individually. You can't touch them with your hands. If you do, like you should wear gloves. Um, you take them out. You put them in a cup, um, and you take them with water. Um, you then use the same cup over and over again. You don't let anyone else touch it, etc., because the toxins in there, you know, in that container can be passed on. So it's a really specific, regimented routine. So before I took them, Laura said to Max, "Go and give Daddy a big kiss." And he came over, and as he does, he's he's big with the big kiss on the lips, and it's beautiful. And he came over and he gave me that kiss, and I was like, right. And then bedtime ensued uh, for for the two little ones, and I had my tablets without even thinking. And then Laura laid down, and it was really quiet for a little bit. And I thought, have I done something wrong? I don't. I must have done something wrong. Like I've I've. I don't know what I've done, but I've done something wrong. You know that feeling <laughs> that every husband in the world or every partner gets. I don't know what I've done. But I I've just done know I've done it. Yeah. And Laura had this really sad look on her face, and which she's great at putting on a sad look if she needs to. And she rolled over and looked at me, and she just said, um, "I didn't get her last kiss." And I, I've have never felt so bad. I was like, "Oh, oh, how did I let that slip? <laughs> how did I let that slip?" And the next morning she's off to work and again went to do the same as we would normally do, hug, and then went to give her a kiss and we had to stop and I was like, oh, and we both looked at each other like, this is going to be the longest six weeks in the history of the universe. Mm -hmm. So I said, let's just do the old, um, and well, she's, I don't know if this is politically correct or I'm offending anyone or it's racist, but the old Eskimo kiss of a oh, yeah. rub of the noses. Because um, I know we used to do that a lot. Um Mum used to, when we were younger, do that a lot. A little Eskimo kiss, you just rub your nose together and it's a 
a nice, I guess there's a reason that it's done in certain cultures. It's a really nice way to connect. So that was Laura and I the next morning. I said, okay, so let's just do that. Forehead and our nose. Um, and that was that was how we started the day. And, uh, and now we're just down to hugs each day, but they're just longer hugs than they normally are, I suppose. And there's a little bit of, it sounds weird, but you just, heads really close together just to mm. get a connection there and it's funny because it's such an everyday occurrence right like it's like you would genuinely have to be stopping yourself yep. like in your like tracks and trying to be super conscious of doing something that's so natural yeah we make it we don't make a strong effort it's a natural habit mm. but we kiss each other a lot all the time because we know you don't get the other level of intimacy that you want all the time with two young children mm. but a kiss is a little bit different than anything else, I guess. It's where you can share that um, where you're at and and your love and so forth. So for us not to have that at the moment, yeah, it's really difficult. And we're already planning. So when the treatment's done, it's seven days it takes for your body to be rid of the toxins from mm-hmm. your chemotherapy treatment. After that seven days, you can then uh, go back to, to normal, I, I suppose. So... We're already speaking about um, right, so we're going away for a night, and this is <laughs> this is how it's going to roll out. Um, post post chemo, I won't even say the word, but yeah, all right. And it's plan, quite post chemo planning. We'll just call it. <laughs> it's funny because we know each other that well that we're like. She goes, "We'll go somewhere really nice for dinner," and I said, "Let's have a really like, let's think about this." We need to do what we need to do before we go to dinner, because knowing the both of us, we'll go to dinner. And then we're full and then we're tired and we want to lay down and it ain't happening. So, and <laughs> Is it said, the both of you or is it just one of no, you? No, it's definitely both of us because <laughs> historically that's how we've been. <laughs> we go to dinner and you think, oh, I'm going to be amorous when we get home. No, you're not. No, you're, you're not. You're full and you're tired <laughs> and it's a cuddle and it's a high five and that's it. So we've planned. <laughs> so get ready, Laura, for the best 15 minutes you're going to have 15? a week we'll after chemo. <laughs> um, going back, let's just quickly go back to... Um, to the day when you were going in and getting your first treatment, I recall you saying something and I wanted to bring it up on here, which is around the fear assessment. And I know you spoke about this in terms mm. of, it was something that, that it was unusual. Yeah. There's a questionnaire yeah. that they list that they give you <coughs> and it goes through a range of things and, and Laura did what she would normally do. And um, she looks after all of that sort of stuff. So she got the paperwork and she's like, okay, babe, Question one, question two. I said, you know me, just go through, start ticking. <laughs> I'm sure the doctors will be stoked, and, stoked um, to hear this. <laughs> and and she's like, okay, no worries. But then we get to a couple of questions of, uh, on, on a level of uh, from zero to 10, um, what level of fear do you have? And I said, oh, I don't. Like, I know what I'm going into, so I, I don't, but... I guess if I put zero down, that's probably a bit lame. So let's just put one down. And and Laura came back and said, are you sure? Are you sure? Constantly, are you sure? And the, the nurse was looking at me like, are you, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, I, what, why do we have to be, why is there this idea that we have to be afraid or fearful of what uh, is coming next in terms of treatment? I mm. understand. I clearly understand what is about to uh, happen. So... The fear that did come in, and I think we spoke about this before, was 
will I walk the walk? Because I've yeah. talked it. Yeah. Uh, and that continued when we got home because we had had my treatment and then I had to take chemo drugs that night. And after all this talk of you'll be nauseous, you'll be this, you'll be this, you'll be this. In my head, with my sporting headset on again, I'm thinking, don't sit here and tell me that I am going to be something because F you, I am not going to be that. Yeah, yeah, I won't yeah. even have an ounce of nausea. I can guarantee you. Which again, might be ego and arrogant and so forth. But in, in my head, that's what I'm thinking. But then we get home and I'm about 16 minutes out from taking these drugs and Laura noticed a bit of a change in me and she said, you, you, you're getting a bit moody. You're a bit, and I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> and she said, no, no, you are. As he panicked quietly and goes, inside. I'm just going to put the kids to bed because you're just getting a bit grumpy. And I didn't want to tell her why I was getting grumpy because I was trying to talk myself out of why I actually was grumpy. Mm. But it was around the fact of I'm about to take these pills that I haven't taken before that I've just been given a lecture about today that has basically told me that if I <laughs> if I put this in someone's drink that didn't have cancer it would have really serious ramifications mm. on them. This is a really heavy drug. It says it on the packet, all of that sort of stuff, highly toxic, etc. So there was a lot of nerves around that. Am I going to be responding in the manner in which I believe I will? Took them, waited for a little while, felt fine, stayed up for a bit longer, watched another episode of... Um, Oh, what's it called again? The Vampire? No, The Witches. Oh, the Discovery of Discovery Witches. Discovery of Witches yeah. after <laughs> Put him onto a new TV show. <laughs> yeah, which I'm now addicted to. Um, watched another episode of that. Felt fine and thought, I can go to bed. This yeah. is good. Yeah. Day one. Done. Knocked it out. Amazing. Great. Let's roll on to day two. And now I'm a few days into it and I'm, uh, I haven't noticed a change um, in anything, to be honest. I, I don't feel, I haven't had any nausea. Slight bits of fatigue, but it, that's the anti-seizure medicine that I take mm -hmm. where it says on the packet will cause fatigue. Also, over a period of time, fatigue will increase based on the volume of drugs that your body is consuming over a period of time. Yeah, of so course. there's that backup. So um, I know that that will come, but again, in my head, I'm saying that no, it won't. Not for me anyway. Don't know why I'm different than anyone else, but not for me. What do you think fear is? Fear for me is usually related to what's unknown. That's how I look at it anyway. It's like, mm. what, what do I not know? You know, that extrapolates from there. Like, what is that? What do I not know? And then if I don't know it, how deep is the rabbit hole that I don't know? Or like I said, for me, I've, I've talked a big game. Am, am I going to back this up? Mm. And internally in my gut and in my heart, I know 100% every single day of the week. Uh, I won't back down and I absolutely will. Mm. But I think fear is important in everything that you do. There's a, le a level of fear and it's almost like stress and anxiety. They're they're important. If you didn't have any of those, something wrong with you. But it's how you deal with the fear, the anxiety and the stress. So fear is unknown and then am I going to be the person that I've always believed that I am? in coping with this. One of the things you did was put a little message on Facebook. Can I just read it? Perspective is a wonderful thing. I may be going through a wee little moment of challenge, but not without support from so many amazing people. 
My wife is the single most amazing human I know and someone I love endlessly. Mothers here and past provide me with the courage I need. My siblings and in-laws, you are simply beautiful humans that I have enormous love and appreciation for. To my friends who have endured a lifetime of challenges with their young ones, Jared, Mears and Kim, you provide me with the absolute most determination to get through this. If you are ever looking for the inspiration, your little humans like your beautiful daughter provide me and no doubt many others strength. Thanks for all the messages, phone calls, etc. I'll kick the shit out of this bump in my life and be back firing very soon. Love to you all. <laughs> yeah. Pretty um why do you very briefly, Jared and Kim, mm-hmm. what's the strength and like what's the Um Jared And why did that come to your mind when you're laying there in hospital dealing with something that could be life threatening for yourself? Uh again, just it's probably the coach reflection, not understanding what's in front of me. What am I dealing with? How do I how do I manage my way through this? Because if I allow anxiety and panic to come in, I don't move. Nothing happens. Um, I won't progress. So Jared is um, a really good mate of mine who I coached with at West Adelaide. He was the head coach of the Centre of Excellence down there. We won a grand final. Well, we didn't. We were coaches. We were lucky enough to be on that journey. Um, with a brilliant bunch of young men. We won a grand final, and so that's the elite under-18s competition in South Australia. Jared is, uh, geez, Mizzy. His nickname's Teflon because nothing sticks. Mizzy um, <laughs> was the type of guy that you either loved or you hated because he was quite confident. And it wasn't until I started working with him from a coaching perspective that I guess I really started to understand him as an individual. And he challenged me a lot from a coach's perspective. Behind that, and this is what gives the perspective around it all, his wife, Kim, um, they have two young girls, um, Asha and Isla. And Isla was born with, and again, I don't hold me to, to, to what type of epilepsy she has, but uh, she was having up to 500 seizures a day as a young girl. 500? 500 a day. And I remember going... Oh, yeah. Watching them as a family, and then and then working with Jared, and 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 looking at them and going, if there's an example of a community, a family, the type of people that I would like to measure myself against, that's it. And watching him be uh, a really good husband, a br- a brilliant dad, and he's an outstanding dad, whilst managing an under 18s program of the highest level in the state got six kids drafted that year um won a premiership like there's just so many different things about him and his wife kim and his wife kim's a phenomenal woman and um they have constantly sought new ways to better isla's life so how do we improve this we can't just accept that she's going to have 500 a day. We have to keep asking questions. And and that's been their life. That's what they've done their whole life. And and she is, whilst has her challenges, and she will never be your average girl at school that can do anything and 
and, and not be watched. She's a beautiful, beautiful young young girl with um, just a really, really kind heart and a, and a really, I don't know if aura is the term that you use, but there's something really lovely and beautiful about her. And then and it's the same with her sister that has um, supported her. And then I look at them as, as parents. And, and for me, immediately, I just went, who do I reference right now? I've, I've hit a brick wall and, I, and I'm in a really shit spot and I need a point of reference. I need to think of something in a time like that. That's what I thought of. And then one of the very first messages I got was from Kim and she said, it was full of nice stuff that, you know, we love you and we're thinking of you and that so forth. And she said, but do it as we do it and it's day by day, but do each day well. And uh, I read that, and out of all, out of everything I got, and I got a lot, I just read that, and that just kept nearly every day. That just bangs into my head. Just do today, but do it well, whatever it is. Before we wrap up, what did you learn about yourself this week? Oh, I've learned that I really enjoy the process of speaking about this sort of stuff. I've, uh, I've learnt I've probably been doing the wrong jobs for the last 15 years of my life. Um, I've learnt that I am as resilient and as strong as I always thought that I was because until you're faced with a challenge that's genuine, and when I say, I shouldn't say genuine because it's disrespectful to people that face challenges that are simple every day but perceive as large challenges. Um, but until you face one that is significant and formulate a response and a position, you don't know who you are as an individual. What does week two look like? Week two, nothing really changes. Um, treatment remains exactly the same. I think now that Week one is out of the way. There's that level of comfort. Laura and I are certainly at a position now where we're, I think she believes in, I know she believes in my confidence and my approach to this, but it's really genuine now because we've been through week one and we understand the process and what's happening. Um, so I don't envisage that week two will be any, any different, probably easier. Um, it's getting easier to ask for help. I know it sounds funny, but I've always been terrible in that space, but it's easier to just call someone and say, hey, I've got a really late appointment. Can you can you come and pick me up and drop me off and take me home? Uh, or can you come and help me with this or whatever it may be? So I think week two will be easier uh, as it sort of moves along. That's how it feels yeah. uh, thus far. Does your body feel like it's it's starting to feel a bit more of that impact, or are you kind of again we're only a small mountain way in, so uh, only a small amount. So I'm not going to get I'm not getting too far ahead of myself in that space. Yeah, I'm not getting overly confident that yeah yeah I want to fly through this. Yeah. I mean, in my mind, yes, I am, um, but just like a footy match, I guess you're kind of measuring it quarter by quarter, and it's yeah. um, and it's just that bit by bit, and um, for every win I have which is a, just a good day, then recognise that 
but know that at some point there'll be an average day or a bad day and that's okay they're not all going to be um you know brilliant um but certainly approaching it as though every day is going to be um a good day certainly helps having people around you uh doctors and so forth nurses that are incredibly positive and supportive and um and work really well in that space it just makes a massive difference